For months on the Sunshine Economy, we've been following a baker, banker, and cleaner navigating the pandemic economy in South Florida. There's so much uncertainty, right? But there's hope. It's been so difficult to find people. Employees? This is pretty much like pre-COVID. And actually, this is better than pre-COVID. <laughs> I'm Tom Hudson. Today on the Sunshine Economy, hear their stories. The three businesswomen we've been speaking to most weeks on the program have been growing more optimistic this year about their companies and the economy. I'm optimistic. Put me in the jungle and I survive. I'm really looking forward to a very sunny future. Coming up after the news, a baker, banker, and cleaner in the sunshine economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week, and thanks for supporting public radio. A little over a year ago, the U.S. economy plunged into a sudden and deep recession. Never before had all kinds of economic activity just stopped. It wasn't like anything anyone had ever experienced. There was no business playbook or tried-and-true strategy for companies to find their way through those early months of the pandemic. For months this year, we've been checking in with three women operating their businesses through the worst of the COVID-19 collapse and the rebound. I'm Pilar Guzman Zavala, the CEO of Half Moon Empanadas. It's Ginger Martin, president and CEO of American National Bank. Hi, I'm Sherry Rudolph with Legally Clean. We clean corners so you don't have to. Most weeks this year, we have heard from these three about how their companies are doing as the pandemic stretches into its second year. Each of them have come through what they hope was the worst of the economic consequences, first of the restrictions put in place to slow the spread of the virus, and then how the disease has changed their businesses. Sherry Rudolph runs the smallest firm. She moved to South Florida from Detroit and started Legally Clean in Lauder Hill 14 years ago. It's a commercial cleaning service, janitorial work. I was working for a nonprofit in 2003. And I looked at my first paycheck and I said, oh my God, I can't live like this. I'll starve to death. And because I had owned rental property and, in Detroit and had um, had supervised people with restoring homes and cleaning and painting and whatever, um, when I started researching um, businesses to start, uh, I was thinking, well, it has to be something with uh, low overhead and, and low investment. And so I started looking and I saw a cleaning service was one of those businesses that you could start with low investment. My mother, who was since deceased 12 years ago, I called her, uh, her, my father, who had invested all this money in a college education, <laughs> to tell them that I was starting a cleaning service. And my mother said, cleaning? You don't like cleaning? <laughs> so I said, no but I know how to put jobs and people together. And so therefore, I think that I'll be good at this. She said, well, now that makes sense to me. <laughs> Before the pandemic, Rudolph had four part-time employees providing janitorial services to offices and homes. A quarter of her business was residential cleaning. That was hit first by people not wanting others inside their homes. Then the work-from-home movement emptied out offices, hitting her commercial cleaning clients. It was very, very difficult at first because we didn't know, you know, how we were going to uh, survive given the fact that 
um, most of our commercial and our residential uh, customers put us on hold until afterwards. In addition to that, I was about to sign a contract with a major uh, multifamily community that would have given me um, a substantial increase in income. It failed to develop uh, due to COVID. We will hear more later on in this program about how Rudolph has gone about restarting her business as the economy has been rebounding. The baker in our group, Pilar Guzman Zavala, also saw her business quickly disappear. She had 13 half-moon empanada outlets before the pandemic, including on college campuses and at the Miami Beach Convention Center. When those were forced to close, she was left with her own betanita in the Upper East Side of Miami and at the Miami International Airport. She was able to survive by winning a Miami-Dade County contract to make meals for seniors. By January, some of her counters had reopened, and she was working on expanding the brand by getting ready to open two new locations. One is going to be in Pengrove Pines. We're going to do a co-branding space with Misha's Cupcakes. And so it's going to be uh, in her store. Half of it now is going to be a half-moon store. And then we're going to be opening in Jackson Hospital, in the food court of the Jackson Hospital. So we're very excited about those two opportunities. That was the first week of January. It has been more difficult to get the doors open at the new locations, mostly because she says she's had a hard time finding workers. Here is what she told us in mid-March, more than two months later. We actually had to pause the Pembroke Pine opening. I mean, the, the store is ready. We couldn't find people. We had the Jackson Memorial Hospital store too. So we have two, two store openings. We were able to do one, the Jackson Memorial Hospital. On one way, I'm like really pleased and excited. And it's like really, really, really cool to see sort of the vision in a store. But it was really difficult to do it. You know, it took us longer than what we thought because we couldn't find employees. She's had her patients tested this spring, working to open two new locations. Meantime, in March, she saw another part of her business slowly begin to return, counters at the Miami Beach Convention Center. It's been a year. <laughs> a year ago, everything closed, uh, March 13th. So, you know, it's, it's not, they're not big events, but we're going to have two kiosks. That's also complicates. I'm thankful for it, but it also adds pressure to the operation. Zavala can also take credit for helping shape presidential policy this year. We'll have more on that later on in the program. Ginger Martin's business is the largest of the three businesswomen we have been keeping in contact with over the past three months. She runs American National Bank based in Broward County. It concentrates on commercial real estate lending. Now, despite the worries over how the sudden shift to work from home and the slow return of workers to offices could impact commercial real estate, Martin's Bank has been busy thanks to low interest rates, strong trends in some commercial real estate like warehouses, and processing tens of millions of dollars in Paycheck Protection Program loans as part of the federal government's effort to stimulate the economy. This is Martin, the first week of January. We did get notification on Wednesday, January 6th, of the fact that SBA is opening up the payroll protection application process, and they're calling it draw number two, draw two. What we're doing is going to be uh, our planning, uh, getting ready for when we're going to be able to submit for our customers. Um, what we did, we started asking our customers to say, hey, do you think you're going to be eligible? 
uh, we had like 50 of our customers that said yes, you know, they're going to be going for that uh, draw number two. American National Bank saw less demand from businesses for the loans in the second round compared to the first round last spring. By the first week of March, Martin told us her bank had processed 250 paycheck protection loans, totaling $30 million. Now, these are forgivable loans as long as companies spend the money on approved expenses, such as salaries and wages. The demand for the second round really has been less. So I guess the kind of the positive thing is there are some companies that didn't have that much of a decline to really qualify for draw two. We actually did have some uh, physicians. Um, you know, we have some sole practitioners. Uh, some of our nonprofits did qualify. So it really is kind of all over the place from that standpoint. But the demand for more traditional commercial real estate loans has been strong. That helped make 2020 a big year for the bank despite the pandemic and has meant a strong start to this year. That part of the story is still to come. My chief lending officer and I were talking what she's actually already has gotten approved, it's a record for her in her entire you know, career. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast by searching Sunshine Economy on your podcast app and hitting subscribe. Thanks. If you are a regular listener to this program, thank you. You've come to know a baker, banker, and cleaner over the past several weeks. These are three businesswomen here in South Florida that we hear from most weeks about how their businesses are getting along in this pandemic economy. Theirs is a firsthand look at the regional economy. They are three of the people behind the economic data. 2020 was a very strong year for American National Bank in Broward County. Now, yes, the American economy experienced its worst recession since the Great Depression almost a century ago, and the regional unemployment rate shot up by double digits over just two months. Tens of thousands of people were furloughed or lost jobs. The bank is a business bank concentrated on commercial real estate. Proportionally to the amount of deposit money the bank has in South Florida, it was the largest lender of payroll protection program loans, according to an analysis by the South Florida Business Journal. But beyond the federal government stimulus loans, the bank's normal business of loans has remained strong this year. This is bank CEO Ginger Martin in January. We've got a really strong uh, pipeline, uh, traditional loan pipeline for January. And we, and we actually ended the year, uh, really a record, you know, a record year. Uh, we had about 30% growth in, uh, you know, our total uh, assets and deposits. So that, in fact, $100 million worth of growth. And so what that does, you know, it positions us in a good place to start the year. Martin is one of the three businesswomen we've been hearing from most weeks here on the Sunshine Economy as they navigate the pandemic economic rebound. Business at the bank has been strong, and its borrowers have been making their payments. In February, Martin shared with us they did have one real estate loan in trouble. I do have one loan that uh, we decided to put on non-accrual because this loan, even though we had given them payment deferrals, in fact, we had actually given them three, and we tried to turn them into an interest only, and they were like, we we just can't afford it. This is a... um, like a vacation rental, 
I know it was the, what we needed, you know, to do because this, this is my only problem loan. So I guess I should be fortunate that we've only got one. At the bank's March board meeting, it celebrated some of its milestones last year, including operating in the top 10% of similarly sized banks across the country and its loan committee continuing to be busy. But it's still careful about the kinds of real estate it wants to back. Where the activity really is existing is specifically in warehouse facilities. So, you know, we're probably a little cautious on uh, retail type projects with the pandemic or more people going online shopping, you know, et cetera. We're more comfortable with the retail that's got the, you know, businesses that we think people are continue going to. But the big demand and uptick has been in industrial and warehouse, you know, self-storage, uh, you know, Amazon fulfillment centers. I mean, that, that was one of the projects that, you know, we did last year, kind of how the world has changed to ordering more things online. So they've got to be stored someplace. And so that seems, I think from a valuation standpoint, it's not that the market prices, appraised values have like really gone crazy or anything at all. It's probably been pretty steady. So we don't feel like prices are overheated. By April, the bank was hiring because business kept growing. A year after the pandemic slowdowns and stay-at-home requests, Martin's confidence was growing too. A lot of new loan opportunities, I'm, I'm glad to report. In fact, so much that I'm, I'm looking to hire an additional uh, lender for the team. So I think from, from a banking standpoint, that's a, you know, that's a good sign. In a bank, your lender is equivalent to like your salesperson in another industry because this is the person that's going out and, and getting new business. They're really the revenue generators. You know, the bank has continued to grow to the, the point where we just have that extra excess uh, liquidity that we'd sure like to turn into loans. So I am looking to hire a loan officer. Loan demand has been strong. Um, we definitely have the money to lend out. And so it it's, makes perfect sense for us to be, you know, adding uh, to our, our lending team. It's interesting how many now hiring signs I see just, you know, driving up and down, um, you know, Federal Highway, uh, hotels, there's restaurants, um, there's just like different industries that are looking for, you know, people, thank goodness, um, with more people getting the, you know, the vaccine, I do see you know, more people out and about. I mean, the restaurants are packed. It's, unbe you know, it's unbelievable. And I'm also seeing more in-person events, you know, happening. So I do think there's a lot more activity happening in our market area, just as far as one-on-one -on -one and, and uh, people gathering again. Think back a year ago. Oh my gosh, we were in the middle. I mean, that, yeah, that you, you figure, you know, March and April, May, that was like the worst kind of of it. So um, I'm, I'm glad that we see this improvement. Over the past year, trillions of dollars have been pumped into the economy through the banking system. The Federal Reserve has kept its short-term target interest rate at zero and is buying other bonds to encourage banks to lend money. And then lots of people have received stimulus checks, and many companies have gotten forgivable loans. It means plenty of money in the banking system for Ginger Martin and American National Bank, even while the economy is far from fully recovered. 
there's a lot of cash in the system. And part of it is really the stimulus uh, that people have, that has been put into the banking system. You know, part of it is the fact that Fed, they keep buying uh, securities. And so they're, they're still putting a, a lot of liquidity in the, again, the macro system. So it's just a lot of excess cash. We still see loan demand to be strong in the commercial real estate market. But yet, I'm always mindful is that even though we hear some of those positive things about the economy, there's still people that are hurting. People have gone out of business. You know, people are hanging on uh, by a, a thread in some industries, and yet others um, are both business-wise and personal-wise are doing good. Ginger Martin is the CEO of American National Bank based in Broward County. She's one of the three women we've been following for months here on the Sunshine Economy as they've been working in the pandemic economy. Still to come, how a cleaner has turned her business around this year from this. Uh, it's been kind of slow. Haven't had uh, a great deal of activity. I think people are still a little hesitant about letting people, you know, into their spaces. To this. This is pretty much like pre-COVID. And actually, this is better than pre-COVID. <laughs> This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. Today, we're hearing from the three businesswomen we've been talking to most weeks here on the Sunshine Economy for many months, a baker, a banker, and a cleaner, hearing how they and their businesses have been navigating the pandemic economy. Some of the biggest in-demand products during the pandemic have been cleaning items, but that did not help Sherry Rudolph. She runs Legally Clean, a janitorial services company. First, her residential work disappeared, then the office cleaning work dried up. This is what she told us in January. Our primary uh, source of business right now is the disinfection service. That has helped uh, tremendously. They have been really lucrative in terms of the work, you know, that we do and the time frame. Also, it doesn't take very long to do it. Construction has remained strong throughout the pandemic, and that has helped Rudolph, too. She works to clean construction offices and comes in after the work is done to clean new apartment or condominium buildings. By late January, she was waiting to hear back on two bids for sizable cleaning contracts that would allow her to hire four people and get the year off to a strong start. One with a commercial company and one with a construction company. It would mean substantial income. One is a construction project. Uh, I'll be cleaning the trailers while they are building the facility. And the other one, we'll be cleaning the common areas for a 55-unit building in Lauder Hill. I've developed the relationships to the point that I think that I should be able to be successful in securing both of those projects. It didn't pan out like that right away, though. In early March, she was still waiting to hear back on the smaller of the two deals, the bigger contract did not come through. Initially, what was going to happen, I was going to partner with uh, another cleaning company. They backed out. And so once they backed out, I wasn't able to uh, accommodate the, uh, the contract. But I'm hoping that they will work with me as a subcontractor. While I can't handle the entire contract, I would be able to uh, manage a part of it. So 
I do understand what my scope of work is. And after looking at it and reviewing it, decided to, you know, just kind of back up and see if I could do some subcontract work on a smaller scale. A week later, she heard back on that second opportunity. I did have a meeting this week with one of the opportunities I told you about previously. She did assure me that they would be starting probably in about two to three weeks and uh, I would be able to get in and start the promotion for them in terms of the cleaning and the janitorial work. She was getting by, and this work earlier this spring represented a big rebound in her business. Yes, it's a very big deal. Like most small business owners, Rudolph wears lots of hats. One of the most important is searching and securing new business. That's why this year began with these New Year's resolutions. One was spending almost $700 a month on search engine optimization, and it was working, she told us, in January. The second resolution she set for herself this year was to make at least 10 new contacts each day, something that's been made more difficult because of the pandemic. By March, she was doubling down on this goal. I plan to increase my contacts to uh, 20 per day. And Rudolph knew getting vaccinated would help. After trying for weeks to get an appointment in February, she finally was able to schedule one in March for her first dose. As she was waiting to get that first shot, she felt a familiar itchiness around her ankles. Well, what happened was I am allergic to tomatoes. Uh, Unfortunately, I ate some organic ones the day before. (laughs) Thought that I would not get the allergic reaction. And I'm sitting in line in my car at the park where they're going to be doing the, the vaccinations and found out that I couldn't take the vaccination because I was having the adverse reactions to the tomatoes. Her tomato allergy was a recent development. Just a few months ago, tomato pasta sauce, pizza sauce, raw or cooked, even ketchup, she said. A week later, she was able to get her first dose, and by late April, she was fully vaccinated. In the meantime, business began picking up, like a lot, by late March. Uh, I was recently contacted by a large uh, remodeling company that is looking for a cleaning service such as mine to uh, begin cleaning for them for their vast amount of clients that need cleaning after the reconstruction. And as you know, a lot of families are doing a lot of renovations for extra bathrooms, extra rooms, additions to kitchen and bathrooms with everyone being at home. To my credit, I'm able to take care of that and and respond accordingly and also come up with a a large amount of revenue. (laughs) It's really exciting. It's a a major uh, renovation and construction company that deals primarily with uh, expanded kitchens and bathrooms and family rooms. They had so much work that their former cleaning company was unable to handle it. And uh, we do have the capacity to handle large and multiple construction sites. If the renovations or the projects are, will be coming in continuously and in volume, that could mean that Legally Clean will be back in the, <laughs> back in the seat in terms of being able to become more lucrative and also be able to be uh, where we were pre-COVID. After a year of dealing with the big drop in business, Rudolph's cleaning company was on the rebound. And more than recovering, she saw it becoming better than before the pandemic. Here's what she told us the first week of April. Things are going very well. We're working 
nearly every day now, which is a different term from COVID. I'm getting more calls. I'm getting more uh, opportunities. Next week, we're really busy. We have already Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, busy up until Thursday of next week. I don't have any appointments that I can take until Friday. It hasn't been like this in a very long time. And then just a few weeks later in late April. This is pretty much like pre-COVID. Yeah. And actually, this is better than (laughs) pre-COVID. Sherry Rudolph with Legally Clean based in Lauder Hill. If you've missed any of this program or previous programs and want to catch up, be sure to search Sunshine Economy on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks. Still to come in our program, how a Miami empanada maker helped shape presidential policy while growing her business. I'm not political, but I felt that it was a moment in time in the history of this country that I wanted to have a voice. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. Thanks again for listening this week and supporting public radio. I'm Tom Hudson. Today on the Sunshine Economy, a baker, banker, and cleaner, the trio of South Florida businesswomen we've been hearing from most weeks here on the Sunshine Economy for months now about how they're navigating the pandemic economic recovery for themselves and their businesses. Pilar Guzman Zavala may be a small businesswoman, but she has been able to influence presidential policy this year. She co-owns Half Moon Empanadas with her husband. In mid-January, just days before Joe Biden's presidential inauguration, Zavala was on a Zoom conference with the then president-elect. I have never done anything political. I'm not political. But I felt that it was it was a moment in time in the history of this country that I wanted to have a voice. And so if they were giving me the opportunity... So I took it. Pilar, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. How are you? I was sitting in my kitchen with my computer and waiting for the call. And then suddenly I see on the screen, president-elect. Oh, my gosh. The incoming president was holding a roundtable with a handful of small business owners as he was beginning to roll out his American rescue plan. The meeting included a short story of how Zavala worked to save her business during the worst of the pandemic. Most of her outlets closed last spring. She focused on selling empanadas through her ventanita in Miami and made meals for seniors under a county contract. And after the then-president-elect spoke about his stimulus plan, Zavala raised her hand. My husband is like, are you seriously raise your hand to, to say what? <laughs> And so I go like, uh, and he's like, sure. So I go, you know, I'm glad that you're looking at, at, at how you can support, especially small businesses, the businesses that are 10 people, the businesses that are small that are not getting the PPP. And so I just told him, please think about the really micro businesses. The PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, it's an emergency loan program that was first okayed by Congress last spring, signed into law by now former President Donald Trump. The program offered loans to companies which could be forgiven if the company spent the money on certain things, mostly on paying salaries and wages of employees. But critics complained big companies were at an advantage and small firms lost out. I'm realistic. You know, I'm a business person. I know that things are really hard to change. And this is systemic. This is not just, you know, the the administration for, for Trump did this. 
there's years of years where small businesses, which are happen to be women-owned and Hispanic and African-American businesses, those are the tiny ones. And so it's not a, a Trump versus Biden situation, at least from the point of view of small businesses. It's a systemic situation where we really as a country need to look and really seriously think about how we can support these this kind of groups. By late January, after Inauguration Day, Zavala was invited to speak with new Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen during just her second day on the job. I was calling her Miss Secretary, so you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> because uh, I was the one talking to her, the first one, and then the other two or three entrepreneurs that I spoke to her will, will call her Madame Secretary. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was calling her Miss Secretary. <laughs> I didn't prepare any script or anything. I just said my experience with PPP was this. You know, we went to three banks, a large, uh, a medium, and, and then the small one who was the one that actually approved the PPP and I said how difficult I saw it was the process for most of my friends that are like tiny entrepreneurs, the one, the two, the three people companies. And then in late February, President Biden made this statement next door to the White House. I just had an opportunity to catch up with two small business owners I met on the road in the last couple of weeks. And uh, the first was a very entrepreneurial woman named Pilar Guzman Savala, and um, she's in Florida, Miami. I was sitting again in my ventanita speaking with President Biden. The president was announcing a two-week period for only businesses with fewer than 20 employees to apply for loans through the program. The strategy was to clear the way for very small businesses and allow banks to focus on those firms processing their applications. And that was American small businesses are hurting, hurting badly. And they need help now. And it's in all of our interest to make sure they get the help now. This call actually was much more fulfilling for me because he called me to let me know, thanks to the conversation he had with me, that I had educated him on the realities of small businesses and the PPP. If that was the reason why I had to speak to him, I super welcome it because I hope we were able to help a lot of businesses. This chapter of Zavala's place in politics was not over yet. Ms. Zavala, you're now recognized for five minutes. This was in March. Hello. Um, hi, everybody. It's, it's, it's an honor to be speaking with you all today. She was testifying to a U.S. House of Representatives subcommittee. Listen to my story. Um, I think it's a story that reflects, you know, the reality of many small businesses like mine. It was a hearing with small business advocates and owners about a pilot program created by the American Rescue Plan, the signature legislation so far from President Biden. PPP just highlighted the systemic problem we have. And so I think that one of the challenges is that we need more technical assistance. We need more, you know, guidance in how to get to getting a, a small loan because we're lost. Access to information and having these local partners work one-on-one -on -one with businesses that already know them, it's important. The pilot program is designed to help minority-owned small businesses and small companies in rural America gain access to government relief programs like the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. The PPP just highlighted the systemic problem we have. And so I think that one of the challenges is that we need more technical assistance. We need more you know, guidance in how to get to getting a, a small loan because we're lost. Access to information and having these local partners work one-on-one -on -one with businesses that already know them. 
It's important. As Zavala was talking to politicians in Washington, D.C., she continued working toward expanding her business here in South Florida. She shared her vision with us the first week of January. One is going to be in Penguin Pines. We're going to do a co-branding space with Misha's Cupcakes, uh, which I love her product. And so it's going to be uh, in her store. Half of it now is going to be a half moon store. And then we're going to be opening in Jackson Hospital, in the food court of the Jackson Hospital. So we're very excited about those two opportunities. It has not been a straight line, especially for the store in Pembroke Pines. Several planned openings have come and gone this year. Here's what she told us in mid-March, about six weeks after beginning the build-out of the new store space. We've been ready to open in Pembroke Pines inside Misha's Cupcakes store, but it's been so difficult to find people. So we were ready. We've been ready. The store is ready the last 10 days, and we could not find people to work at the store. It's been really difficult. So we couldn't open. We could not get employees. It's, it's been shocking. We could not find employees. We went all over our network of people, uh, and it's like we couldn't find until we became creative. We put ads in Facebook targeted specifically to that area. Uh, we did ads in Indeed, in Cracklist, call everybody we knew. And so we barely made it to like two part-times and one full-time. She figured she would be able to open by late March. The counter at Jackson Hospital opened, but not the store in Pembroke Pines. She had to move some new workers to the company's main kitchen and continued having trouble finding people to work. Then she expected it to open the first week of April. I'm very excited about it. Um, I think you have to learn to be patient and it's, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard, but I, you know, it's it's what it is. With COVID, it's what it is. She increased starting pay for cashiers from $11 an hour to 12 and networked with friends and family to keep looking for people to work. We did not open Pembroke Pines. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I would be more patient. And I would be more like, okay, it's okay, but I just can't. You know, I have this thing in my, it's just in my belly. You know, it's like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And so I guess that is the drive of the company. And and I know that people that want to work with me have to understand that and have to be able to follow the, the rhythm of how I am because that's how I want things to be. And by mid-April, six weeks after she originally planned to open in Broward County? <laughs> I'm only going to laugh this time because it, it was the week, but it wasn't. <laughs> I was having, you know, a conversation with my husband about, you know, I'm so frustrated that we cannot get this store open. You know, I would have opened it, you know, in my previous leadership, like we would have opened it in two days, like yesterday. But he said, you know what, that's, that's why we're not doing that anymore because we're building the blocks for actually having 50 stores, not only two. Right. I guess I have to learn to pause. And that's been very difficult. So we're not there yet. We're not open in Pembroke Pines yet. Uh, hopefully one of these calls, I'm going to tell you we're open. <laughs> well, still to come. Stay tuned for the latest on her efforts to open that location in Broward County and the search for workers from all three of our Baker, Banker and Cleaner trio of businesswomen we've been following most weeks here on the Sunshine Economy. That's next. We've had huge problems with uh, hiring people. I can hardly keep up. Um, it's kind of challenging um, with getting employees. There's jobs available 
and these small businesses are just having a difficult time filling them. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. If you missed any of this program or want to catch up on previous programs, you can check out our podcast. Just search Sunshine Economy on your favorite podcast app and be sure to hit subscribe. Thanks. A year ago, March, there were over 3 million jobs in South Florida and about 3.2 million people in the workforce. It was very early in the COVID-19 pandemic. Companies had just started to cut jobs as the economy was slowing fast, thanks to the consequences of the restrictions to slow the spread of the virus. One year later, there were almost 120,000 fewer people who were in the job market. Now, think of it this way. Out of every 28 people who were working or looking for work when the pandemic began, one had just disappeared a year later. Maybe they went back to school. Maybe they have a child in online school and can't leave their home for a job. Maybe they've just grown frustrated and stopped looking for work altogether. But that one out of every 28 people has just disappeared from the labor pool. That may make sense because there have been a lot fewer jobs to get. While the labor force shrunk 3% between March of last year and March of this year, The number of jobs fell by almost 6%. Yes, a lot of jobs have returned, but there were still about 200,000 fewer jobs in March of this year compared to the month the pandemic unofficially began. March, by the way, is just the latest data available from the state. The April figures are due out this Friday. Any job gains in Florida will be helped out by hotels, bars, and restaurants, adding workers. That's a traditional source of employment, certainly in South Florida. Companies of all kinds, though, have been complaining about not finding a lot of available workers. That's true of the three businesswomen we've been following for months here on the Sunshine Economy, a cleaner, a banker, and a baker. For the baker, Pilar Guzman Zavala, the difficulty in finding workers has delayed her expanding her company. For a couple of months, she has been trying to open a new half-moon empanadas outlet in Pembroke Pines. But it keeps getting delayed week after week because she has not been able to find enough workers and keep them on the job. We've had huge problems with uh, hiring people. I think that this is a very serious problem that my industry and, and people similar, like companies similar to what we do, are having. And I hear this across the nation. Like I hear this from Denver, Dallas, from all around the country. People don't want to work. I needed three people. So my my production has increased because the sales are increasing uh, because there is more demand in the airport. There is uh, this new store that I opened. My little window uh, in 79 has triple sales. So things are picking up on the sales side. Customers are coming, but I haven't been able to hire the three people full-time that I need for my kitchen. So... Honestly, it got to a point uh, a few days ago that I, I really felt that the kitchen was falling apart uh, in, in the sense of capacity. Like, And I jumped in. I, I said, I, I got to get involved in the ground. And I spent every day in the kitchen 
so I realized two things. One, I needed to keep my people because everybody's stealing people from other people. <laughs> so speaking to my people, I increased the hourly pay for a few of them. I gave bonuses. I said, hey, you know, we're moving, we're growing, you know, we value you. And I think that was good and that was important for me to do personally one-to-one. I had to sit down when I hire people and tell them we're growing. This is the path. This is a dream. This is a vision so that people don't just care about the money today and, you know, make the comparison of how much they make with unemployment versus a job like in my kitchen. But also say, hey, you know, unemployment is going to be over at some point and you have a path to growth. And, and so I think that that's the approach that I took. And then uh, I started myself hiring, like reaching out to everybody that I knew could connect me to people that would want to work. I think I have two people now and I'm missing one more. So things are better this week in, in the kitchen. But I couldn't push the opening of another store because I couldn't manage the production. It's really been frustrating. I think it's a serious, serious situation. And the economy will not be able to come back if, if we don't adjust things because it's just not realistic. Listen to this. I couldn't get a delivery from one of the food companies, which is a national player, because they didn't have drivers. So my delivery of my food got to me at 7 p.m. You know, it just disrupts the whole thing. The delivery is supposed to be 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. The window is 6 to 10, and it got to me at 7 p.m., and we went crazy on the vendor. We said, hey, you know, this cannot be possible. And the reply we got from the salesperson is, I'm so sorry, we have a shortage of drivers, the VP of operations for the entire company was driving a truck today and we're offering $500 to drivers to come to work and we cannot find. So that just tells you the whole picture. The outlook for the future, I see it bright. I see great opportunities for us. I do think that the one shift that I realized I had to make was on me. Like I have to pause a little bit on generating new businesses for the next three months. I have things in the pipeline, but I have to be able to have the production and the company follow me. And so pausing a little bit is, I think, one shift that I have to consciously do until the things normalize as well in the labor force. And that's one thing. And the second, I realize I have to be connected to my company in the floor, in the ground. I was doing a lot of big picture strategy things and business development and airports and big picture, which is still will be there, but it will be less of a priority for me in the next three months until I see things organized and I see that the labor market at least, you know, stabilizes a little bit more. It will make my operations with a stronger foundations. So I, I think it's positive. I think it's happening for a reason. That's Pilar Guzman Zavala with Half Moon and Banadas. Ginger Martin has been looking for a new loan officer for at least a couple of months. Martin is the boss at American National Bank in Broward County. The bank focuses on commercial real estate lending. She says banks have plenty of money looking to make loans, which has led her to try to hire. But it has been a lot tougher than she imagined coming out of the pandemic recession. We do have a couple of candidates that we have interviewed, so that's a positive but I will tell you, I don't think it's an easy process. But even though we've advertised, the quality of what we've gotten has not been that good. And here's the thing, too, and I continue to hear this. 
there's jobs available and these small businesses are just having a difficult time filling them. In fact, I got an email from somebody who's in the commercial real estate business that's looking for two people. And they really reached out to me and said, hey, you know, please let us know if you know anyone. So I do think there's plenty of demand and yet a struggle in, in finding people. I do think this is the first time that I can really remember where we've had jobs and not having people willing to work for what for various reasons, which is kind of sad when you think the economy is recovering, things are getting better, people are, um, I think business is picking up, but then when you can't find employees to sustain your business, what a dilemma. So I do think this is different that what we've seen even in the Great Recession, this is very unique. So you know, we went from businesses having to reduce their, their hours. I mean, depending on what type of business it is, because of the pandemic and now we've gotten that relief and business is picking up and they're struggling with the employee issue. In fact, this another customer I was talking to, he was telling me that his team is experiencing burnout because they've got the business and they're thankful for it, but they're working so hard themselves, again, not being able to find some help um, that it's a struggle for them. So kind of a catch-22. Glad to have the business saying, man, we can't keep up this pace. That's Ginger Martin, the CEO at American National Bank in Broward County. Sherry Rudolph is one of those small business owners looking for help. She owns janitorial services company Legally Clean based in Lauder Hill. Now, as the economy has reopened, her business has been well, supercharged this spring. Oh, my gosh. It's been so busy that I can hardly keep up. <laughs> and I have also uh, stretched uh, my uh, areas of cleaning. I was called by a group home. I was called by a restaurant, uh, areas that I had not ventured into before, but uh, looks like they are going to be really good uh, opportunities for me. It is better than ever. I can hardly keep up. Um, it's kind of challenging um, with getting employees, but, you know, we're still, you know, struggling and trying to get, you know, good qualified, capable people, uh, but it's going real well and we're, we're managing what we have. I have uh, been interviewing, um, I've been uh, giving people applications. I'm just not getting the response that I would like in terms of securing uh, good qualified people. I have three positions open uh, right now. I have a part-time position open. I have a full-time position open and um, another part-time position open. So I'm really looking uh, for someone who is uh, motivated, someone who really wants to work, someone who enjoys cleaning. Cleaning is the kind of job that not everybody uh, wants to do or can do. I really believe that you must have a desire and you must like what you do in terms of the cleaning in order to do a good job because not everybody has a desire to do it. <laughs> in fact, most people don't. But what I always say, is there's money in dirt. <laughs> especially other people's dirt, you know, and that's one of the advantages is that most people do not want to do it. But if you can find, you know, good candidates that love to clean, then, you know, you have a winner. I have had to increase. I formally paid like $10 an hour. 
and uh, we now pay 12 to 15, depending on the experience. I'm going to uh, be interviewing this week. Last year, this time, um, we were all stuck in the house. The contracts had canceled. Uh, there were a few construction companies that I worked for. They were still working, but mostly everybody else had pretty much shut down and people were working from home. And so there was no need for continuous office cleaning. So it's turned down around 180. I have staff. I need more staff. We have more business. It's just really been a great opportunity this year. Sherry Rudolph with Legally Clean in Lauder Hill, the cleaner of the Baker, Banker, and Cleaner trio of businesswomen we've been following most weeks this year during the pandemic economy. Don't forget to check out the podcast of the Sunshine Economy. Search the title of the program, Sunshine Economy, on your podcast app and hit subscribe. You could also send us an email if you want. Our address is sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. It's sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Look for WLRN. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.